0: hi this is william ramsey welcome to william ramsey investigates on today's show i'm going to read from a very important decision that was uh, laid out on july 4th 2023 in the state of missouri versus joseph r biden jr case and it was a preliminary injunction by terry a Doughty. His name was d-o-u-g-h-t-y and the preliminary injunctions about seven pages It prevents the government from getting involved in censoring these social media companies. But I think that this case itself is uh, really one of the most important cases I've seen in my lifetime. Because there is a censorship industrial complex. I think it's brought up in this. It's not mentioned as such in the memo. There's a 155-page memorandum ruling on request for preliminary, preliminary injunction. And it goes into kind of the reasoning behind the judge's decision uh, to have this preliminary injunction. And then I will kind of go into the media coverage, how dishonest it is. CNN just put out some joke, joker person to discuss this case. But uh, it affected me personally. I got censored and actually just got my YouTube channel back, which has been missing since probably it got shut down and flagged uh, by my own government. So in violation of my First Amendment rights, ability to conduct free speech. And I think you'll you'll see in this when I read through the memorandum, uh, like I said, it's 155 pages, but it's probably only 100 pages are really germane. The facts that were pres- uh, put together for the decision, I think, are very important and very important people are involved. You'll hear Children's Health Defense, which is the presidential contender, Robert F. Kennedy's um, group that's been suing a lot of these people and he wrote that book about the real Anthony Fauci and Fauci's NIAID pops up in this the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases two real monster uh, Fauci is obviously a, a horrible human being and there's a lot of horrible human beings involved in this case uh, willing to make claims of information disinformation malinformation that uh, was actually true so I think it's very important that They waged a kind of propaganda campaign against the American people. Your own so-called government uh, waged this campaign in a kind of a military fashion without a lot of pushback. But uh, some people have characterized this as conservative or something political. And that's really a fool's kind of conclusion or statement or rhetoric, propaganda itself, because this is really about whether we're going to be free or not as a people we have a bill of rights it covers everybody both political parties it's for the benefit of all people in the united states so to have people politicizing this and you see very smart people like i uh will have an article by lawrence tribe who was a i don't know if he's still a professor but he's a professor of constitutional law was but the kind of stuff that he writes, I would be embarrassed to publish it if I was at the school of law or anything like that. Or even a, a newspaper from an intelligent guy kind of engaged in very specious argumentation. Uh, be embarrassed, actually. I think Lawrence Tribe might be unhinged. But it just shows kind of the, the swill that's brought out to confuse people. So I think the best thing is to go to the actual documents, kind of like uh, John Brisson of we've read the documents. Let's read the actual document it might take me two two sessions to get through the entirety of the memoranda, but it's so important. The information in here and it's, it contains these people who are very important in the whole issue of the, the gene therapy that was brought out as a kill shot. Right? So you, there we're going to talk about Orwell or the judge is going to talk about Orwell and, uh, it's still that that term, the vaccine, the layout of the vax or whatever was censored, but it really was never a vaccine. It was gene therapy. They lied about it and uh, Fauci lied about it and the CDC who's brought up in this case. So they were actively involved in disseminating false information or bi- manipulating or maintaining information that benefited them. So... I think it's just so important for people to understand all of the issues that are involved in this case, many of which maybe I don't see all of them, but uh, I'm going to try. So I, I think it's just going to the source text and reading through the text in the document is going to be worthwhile. And then I will read the injunction, seven pages, which is an effect, which probably led to why I'm back streaming on YouTube. I don't even know why I'm on YouTube, honestly, but I'm just kind of tinkering around right now. And uh so here goes. So this, again, was filed on a very important date, July 4th, 2023. 155-page document, Judge Terry A. Doughty, federal judge, State of Missouri, et al. versus Joe Biden, Jr., et al. Plaintiffs consist of the State of Missouri, State of Louisiana, Aaron Cariati Dr. Martin Coldorf, Jim Hoft, Dr. Jayanta Bhattacharya, and Jill Hines, Defendants are Biden, Corinne Jean-Pierre, right, the spokesperson for Biden, Vivek Murthy, Javier Becerra, HHS, Hugh and NIAID, CDC, Alexandra Alejandro Mayorkas, the Department of Homeland Security, Jen Easterly, CISA, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, supposedly security. Um, I'll try not to have a lot of commentary, but it goes on and on just to kind of a uh, usual suspects of uh people involved in this administration so here we go memorandum ruling on request for preliminary injunction At issue before the court is a motion for pre and i will not cite the cases in this you can go to the document i'll put a link to the document you can read through if you want to look through the actual case references but i think it's not worthwhile to do that um, while i'm reading this but uh, for a much more referential legal Uh, analysis, read the document itself. So again, at issue before the court is a motion for preliminary injunction filed by plaintiffs. The defendants opposed the motion. Plaintiffs have filed a reply to the opposition. The court heard oral arguments on this motion on May 26, 2023. Amicus Curiae, that's friends of the court, briefs have been filed in this proceeding on behalf of Alliance Defending Freedom, the Buckeye Institute, and Children's Health Defense. Introduction. I may disapprove of what you say, but I would defend to the death your right to say it. Evelyn Beatrice Hill, 1906, The Friends of Voltaire. This case is about the free speech clause in the First Amendment to the United States Constitution. The explosion of social media platforms has resulted in unique free speech issues. This is especially true in light of the COVID-19 pandemic. If the allegations made by plaintiffs are true, the present case arguably involves the most massive attack against free speech in United States history. In their attempts to suppress alleged disinformation, the federal government, and particularly the defendants named here, are alleged to have blatantly ignored the First Amendment's right to free speech. Although the censorship alleged in this case almost exclusively targeted conservative speech, not fully true. The issues raised here and Go Beyond Party Lines true. The right to free speech is not a member of any political party and does not hold any political ideology. It is the purpose of the free speech clause of the first amendment to preserve an uninhibited marketplace of ideas in which truth will ultimately prevail rather than to countenance monopolization of the market whether it be by government itself or private licensee plaintiffs allege that defendants through public pressure campaigns private meetings and other forms of direct communication regarding what defendants described as disinformation misinformation and malinformation have colluded with and or coerced social media platforms to suppress disfavored speakers, viewpoints, and content on social media platforms. Plaintiffs also allege that the suppression constitutes government action and that it is a violation of plaintiffs' freedom of speech under the First Amendment to the Constitution. The First Amendment states, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech. Or the, of the press, or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. First Amendment, U.S. Constitution, Amendment 1. The principal function of free speech under the United States system of government is to invite dispute. It may indeed best serve its high purpose when it induces a condition of unrest, creates dissatisfaction with conditions as they are, or even stirs people to anger. Freedom of speech and press is the indispensable condition of nearly every other form of freedom the following quotes reveal the founding fathers thoughts on freedom of speech for if men are to be precluded from offering their sentiments on a matter which may involve the most serious and alarming consequences that can invite the consideration of mankind reason is of no use to us the freedom of speech may be taken away and dumb and silent we may be led like sheep to the slaughter george washington march 15 1783 Whoever would overthrow the liberty of a nation must begin by subduing the free acts of speech. Benjamin Franklin, Letters of Silence, Dogwood. Reason and free inquiry are the only effectual agents against error, Thomas Jefferson. The question does not concern whether speech is conservative, moderate, liberal, progressive, or somewhere in between. What matters is that Americans, despite their views, will not be censored or suppressed by the government. Other well-known exceptions to the free speech clause, all political views and content are protected free speech. The issues presented to this court are important and deeply intertwined in the daily lives of the citizens of this country. Two, factual background. In this case, plaintiffs allege that defendants suppressed conservative-leaning free speech, such as one, suppressing the Hunter Biden laptop story prior to the 2020, 20 presidential election. Two, suppressing speech about the lab leak theory of COVID-19's origin. Three, suspe- suppressing speech about the effic- efficiency of masks and COVID-19 lockdowns. Four, suppressing speech about the efficiency of COVID-19 vaccines. Five, suppressing speech about election integrity in the 2020 presidential election. Six, suppressing speech about the security of voting by mail Seven, suppressing parody of content about defendants. Eight, suppressing negative posts about the economy. And nine, suppressing negative posts about President Biden. Plaintiffs Bhattacharya and Kuldorf are infectious disease epidemiologists and co-authors of the Great Barrington Declaration, or GBD. The GBD was published on October 4th, 2020. The GBD criticized lockdown policies and expressed concern about the damaging Physical and Mental Health Impacts of Lockdowns, they allege that shortly after being published, the GBD was censored on social media by Google, Facebook, Twitter, and others. Bhattacharya and Koldorf further allege on October 8, 2020, four days after publishing the GBD, Dr. Francis Collins, Dr. Fauci, Cliff Lane, proposed together a takedown of the GBD and followed up with an organized campaign to discredit it. Dr. Koldorf additionally alleges he was censored by Twitter on several occasions because of his tweets with content such as "thinking everyone must be vaccinated is scientifically flawed," that masks would not provide people protect people from COVID-19, and other anti-mask tweets. Dr. Koldorf and Dr. Bhattacharya further alleges that YouTube removed a March 18, 2021, roundtable discussion in Florida. Where he and others questioned the appropriateness of requiring young children to wear face masks. Dr. Koldorf also alleges that LinkedIn censored him when he reposted a post of a colleague from Iceland on vaccines for stating that vaccine mandates were dangerous, for posting that natural immunity is stronger than vaccine immunity, and for posting that healthcare facilities should hire, not fire, nurses. Plaintiff Jill Hines is co director of Health Freedom Louisiana a consumer and human rights advocacy organization. Heinz alleges she was censored by defendants because she advocated against the use of masks mandates on young children. She launched, launched an effort called Reopen Louisiana on April 16, 2020, to expand Health Freedom Louisiana's reach on social media. Heinz alleges Health Freedom Louisiana's social media page began receiving warnings from Facebook. Heinz was suspended on Facebook on January 2022 for sharing a display board that contained Pfizer's preclinical trial data. Additionally, posts about the safety of masking and adverse events from vaccinations, including VAERS data, and posts encouraging people to contact their legislature to end the government's mask mandate were censored on Facebook and other social media platforms. Heinz alleges that because of the censorship, the reach of Health Freedom Louisiana was reduced from 1.4 million engagements per month. To approximately 98,000. Hines also alleges that her personal Facebook page has been censored and restricted for posting content that is protected free speech. Additionally, Hines alleges that two of their Facebook groups, HFL Group and North Shore HFL, were de platformed for posting content protected as free speech. Plaintiff Dr. Kiriati is a psychiatrist who has taught at several universities and written numerous articles. He had approximately 158,000 Twitter followers in December 2021 and approximately 1,300 LinkedIn connections. Dr. Kiriati alleges he began experiencing censorship on Twitter and LinkedIn after posting content opposing COVID-19 lockdowns and vaccine mandates. Dr. Kiriati also alleges that his posts were shadow banned, meaning that his tweets did not appear in his followers' Twitter feeds. Additionally, a video of an interview of Dr. Kiriati on the ethics of vaccine mandates was removed from YouTube. Plaintiff Jim Hoft is the owner and operator of the Gateway Pundit GP, a news website located in St. Louis, Missouri. In connection with the GP, Hoft operates the GP's social media accounts with Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. The GP's Twitter account previously had over 400,000 followers. The Facebook account had over 650,000 followers. The Instagram account had over 200,000 followers. And the YouTube account had over 98,000 followers. The GP's Twitter account was suspended on January 2nd, 2021, again on January 29th, 2021, and permanently suspended from Twitter on February 6th, 2021. The first suspension was in response to a negative post Hoff made about Dr. Fauci's statement that the COVID 19 vaccine will only block symptoms and not block the infection. The second suspension was because of a post Hoff made about changes in election law in Virginia that allowed late mail-in ballots without postmarks to be counted. Finally, Twitter issued the permanent ban after the GP Twitter account posted video footage from security cameras in Detroit, Michigan from election night 2020, which showed two delivery vans driving to a building at 3.30 a.m. with boxes, which were alleged to contain election ballots. Hoft also alleges repeated instances of censorship by Facebook, including warning labels and other restrictions for posts involving COVID-19 and or election integrity issues during 2020 and 2021. Hoft further alleges that YouTube censored the GP's videos. YouTube removed a May 14, 2022 video that discussed voter integrity issues in the 2020 election. Hoft has attached, as exhibits, copies of numerous GP posts censored and or fact-checked. All of the attached examples involved posts relating to COVID-19 or the 2020 election. In addition to the allegations of the individual plaintiffs, the state of Missouri and Louisiana allege extensive censorship by defendants. The states allege that they have a sovereign and proprietary interest in receiving the free flow of information and public discourse on social media platforms and in using social media to inform their citizens of public policy decisions. The states also claim that they have a sovereign interest in protecting their own constitutions, ensuring their citizens' fundamental rights are not subverted by the federal government and that they have quasi-sovereign interest in protecting the free speech rights of their citizens. The states allege that the defendants have caused harm to the states of Missouri and Louisiana by suppressing and or censoring the free speech of Missouri, Louisiana, and their citizens. The complaint, amended complaint, second amended complaint, and third amended complaint allege a total of five counts. They are count one, violation of the First Amendment against all defendants. Count two, Action in excess of statutory authority against all defendants. Count three. Violation of the Administrative Procedure Act against HHS, NIAID, CDC, FDA, Peck, Becerra, Murthy, Crawford, Fauci, Galatas, Waldo, Bird, Choi, Lambert, Dempsey, Muhammad, Jefferson, Murray, and Kimberly. Count four. Violation of the Administrative Procedure Act against DHS, CISA, Majorcas. Easterly, Silvers, Vinograd, Jenkowitz, Masterson, Protentis, Hale, oh. Snell, Wyman, and Scully. Count five, violation of the Administrative Procedure Act against the Department of Commerce, Census Bureau, Shopcorn, Schwartz, Molina, Irizarry, and Gilmore. Plaintiffs also ask for this case to be certified as a class action pursuant to federal rules of Civil Procedure 23A and 23B2. For the reasons discussed herein, it is only necessary to address count one and the plaintiff's request for class action certification in this ruling. The following facts are pertinent to the analysis of whether or not plaintiffs are entitled to the granting of an injunction. Plaintiffs assert that since 2018, federal officials, including defendants, have made public statements and demands to social media platforms in an effort to induce them to censor disfavored speech and speakers. Beyond that, plaintiffs argue that defendants have threatened adverse consequences to social media companies such as reform of Section 230 immunity under the Communications Decency Act, antitrust, scrutiny, enforcement, increased regulations, and other measures if those companies refuse to increase censorship. Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act shields social media companies from liability for actions taken on their websites, and plaintiffs argue that the threat of repealing Section 230 motivates is social media companies to comply with defendants' censorship requests. Plaintiffs also note that Mark Zuckerberg, owner of Facebook, has publicly stated that the threat of antitrust enforcement is an existential threat to his platform. A, White House defendants. Plaintiffs assert that by using emails, public and private messages, public and private meetings, and other means, the White House defendants have significantly encouraged and coerced social media platforms to suppress protected free speech posted on social media platforms. One, on January 23rd, 2021, three days after President Biden took office, Clark Humphrey, who at the time was the digital director for the COVID-19 response team, emailed Twitter and requested the removal of an anti-COVID-19 vaccine tweet by Robert F. Kennedy Jr., Humphrey sent a copy of the email to Rob Flaherty, former deputy assistant to the president and director of digital strategy on the email and asked if we can keep an eye out for tweets that fall in the same genre. The email read, hey folks, wanted to flag the below tweet and I'm wondering if we can get moving on the process of having it removed ASAP. On February 6, 2021, Flaherty re- requested Twitter to remove a parody account linked to Finnegan Biden, Hunter Biden's daughter, and President Biden's granddaughter. The request stated, cannot stress the degree to which this needs to be resolved immediately, and please remove this account immediately. Twitter suspended the parody account within 45 minutes of Flattery's request. On February 7th, 2021, Twitter sent Flattery a Twitter's partner support portal for expedited review of flagging content for censorship. Twitter recommended that Flattery Flaherty, designate a list of authorized authorized White House staff to enroll in Twitter's partner support portal and explained that when authorized reporters submit a ticket using the portal, the requests are prioritized automatically. Twitter also stated that it, it had been recently bombarded with censorship requests from the White House and would prefer to have a streamlined process. Twitter noted that, in a given day last week, for example, we had more than four different people within the White House reaching out for issues. On February 8th, 2021, Facebook emailed Flaherty and Humphrey to explain how it had recently expanded its COVID-19 censorship policy to promote authoritative COVID-19 vaccine information and expanded its efforts to remove false claims on Facebook and Instagram about COVID nineteen, COVID-19 vaccines and vaccines in general. Flaherty responded within 19 minutes, questioning how many times someone can share false COVID-19 claims before being removed, how many accounts are being flagged versus removed, and how Facebook handles dubious but not provably false claims. Flaherty demanded more information from Facebook on the new policy that allows Facebook to remove posts that repeatedly share these debunked claims. On February 9th, 2021, Flaherty followed up with Facebook in regard to its COVID-19 policy, accusing Facebook of causing political violence spurred by Facebook groups by failing to censor false COVID-19 claims and suggested having an oral meeting to discuss their policies. Facebook responded the same day and stated that vaccine-skeptical content does not violate Facebook's policies. However, Facebook stated that it will have the content's distribution reduced and strong warning labels added, so fewer people will see the post. In other words, even though vaccine-skeptical content did not violate Facebook's policy, the content's distribution was still being reduced by Facebook. Facebook also informed Flaherty that it was working to censor content that does not violate Facebook's policy in other ways by preventing posts discouraging vaccines from going viral on our platform, and by using information labels and preventing recommendations for groups, pages, and Instagram accounts pushing content discouraging vaccines. Facebook also informed Flaherty that it was relying on the advice of public health authorities to determine its COVID-19 censorship policies. Claims that have been debunked by public health authorities would be removed from Facebook. Facebook further promised Flaherty it would aggressively enforce the new censorship policies and requested a meeting with Flaherty to speak to Facebook's misinformation team representatives about the latest censorship policies. Facebook also referenced previous meetings between the White House and Facebook representatives during the transition period, likely referencing the Biden administration transition. On February 4th, 2021, Facebook emailed Flaherty about misinfo themes to follow up on his request for COVID and vaccine misinformation themes on Facebook. Some of the misinformation themes Facebook reported seeing were claims of vaccine toxicity, claims about the side effects of vaccines, claims comparing the COVID vaccine to the flu vaccine, and claims downplaying the severity of COVID-19. Flaherty responded by asking for details about Facebook's actual enforcement practices and for a report on misinformation that was not censored. Specifically, his email read, can you give us a sense of volume on these and some metrics around the scale of removal for each? Can you also give us a sense of misinformation that might be falling outside your removal policies? Facebook responded that at their upcoming meeting, they can definitely go into detail on content that doesn't violate like below, but could contribute to vaccine hesitancy. On March 1st, 2021, Flaherty and Humphrey, along with Joshua Peck, the Health and Human Services Deputy Assistant Secretary, participated in a meeting with Twitter about misinformation. After the meeting, Twitter emailed those officials to assure the White House that Twitter would increase censorship of misleading information on Twitter, stating, Thanks again for meeting with us today. As we discussed, we're building on our continued efforts to remove the most harmful COVID-19 misleading information from the service. This just shows, just an aside, this just shows the censorship started right at the beginning of the Biden administration. Sick. From May twenty-eighth, twenty twenty-one to july tenth, twenty twenty-one, a senior Meta executive reportedly copied Andrew Slavitt, former White House senior COVID-19 advisor, on his emails to General Surgeon General Murphy, alerting them that Meta was engaging in censorship of COVID-19 misinformation according to the White House's requests and indicating expanded penalties for individual Facebook accounts that share misinformation. Meta also stated We think there is considerably more we can do in partnership with you and your team to drive behavior. There you go, behavioral psychology. On March 12th, 2021, Facebook emailed Flaherty, stating, hopefully this format works for the various teams and audiences within the White House HHS that may find this data valuable. This email also provided a detailed report and summary regarding survey data on vaccine uptake from January 10th to February 27th, 2021. On March 15th, 2021, Flaherty acknowledged receiving Facebook's detailed report and demanded a report from Facebook on a recent Washington Post article that accused Facebook of allowing the spread of information leading to vaccine hesitancy. Flaherty emailed the Washington Post article to Facebook the day before with the subject line, you are hiding the ball, and stated, I've been asking you guys pretty directly over a series of conversations for a clear accounting of the biggest issues you're seeing on your platform when it comes to vaccine hesitancy and the degree degree to which borderline content as you defined it is playing a role. After Facebook denied hiding the ball, Flaherty followed up by making clear that the White House was seeking more aggressive action on borderline content. Flaherty referred to a series of meetings with Facebook that were held in response to concerns over borderline content and accused Facebook of deceiving the White House about Facebook's borderline policies. Flaherty also accused Facebook of being the top driver of vaccine hesitancy. Specifically, his email stated, I am not trying to play gotcha with you. We are gravely concerned that your service is one of the top drivers of vaccine hesitancy, period. I will also be the first to acknowledge that borderline content offers no easy solutions. But we want to know that you're trying. We want to know how we can help. And we want to know that you're not playing a shell game with us when we ask you What is going on this would all be a lot easier if you would just be straight with us in response to flaherty's email facebook responded stating we obviously have work to do to gain your trust we are also working to get you useful information that's on the level that's my job and i take it seriously i'll continue to do it to the best of my ability and i'll expect you to hold me accountable Slavit, who was copied on facebook's email responded accusing facebook of not being straightforward and added more pressure by stating, Internally, we have been considering our options on what to do about it. On March 19th, 2021, Facebook had an in-person meeting with White House officials, including Flaherty and Slavitt. Facebook followed up Sunday, March 21st, 2021, noting that the White House had demanded a consistent point of contact with Facebook, additional data from Facebook, levers for tackling vaccine hesitancy, hesitancy content, and censorship policies from Meta's platform WhatsApp. Facebook noted that in response to White House demands, it was censoring, removing, and reducing the virality of content discouraging vaccines that does not contain actionable misinformation. Facebook also provided a report for the White House on the requested information on WhatsApp policies. You asked us about our levers for reducing virality of vaccine hesitancy content. In addition to policies previously discussed, these included the additional changes that were approved last week and that we will be implementing over the coming weeks. As you know, in addition to removing vaccine misinformation, we have been focused on reducing the virality of content discouraging vaccines that do not contain actionable inf- misinformation. On March 22, 2021, Flaherty responded to this email demanding more detailed information and a plan from Facebook to censor the spread of of vaccine hesitancy on Facebook. Flaherty also requested more information about and demanded greater censorship by Facebook of sensational vaccine skeptical content. He also requested more information about WhatsApp regarding vaccine hesitancy. Further, Flaherty seemingly spoke on behalf of the White House and stated that the White House was hoping they, presumably the White House and Facebook, could be partners here, even if it hasn't worked so far. A meeting was scheduled the following Wednesday between Facebook and White House officials to discuss these issues. On April 9th, 2021, Facebook responded to a long series of detailed questions from Flaherty about WhatsApp, about how WhatsApp was censoring COVID-19 misinformation. Facebook stated it was reducing viral activity on our platform through message forward limits and other speech blocking techniques. Facebook also noted it bans accounts that engage in those that seek to exploit COVID-19 misinformation. Flaherty responded, I care mostly about what actions and changes you are making to ensure you're not making our country's vaccine hesitancy problem worse, accusing Facebook of being responsible for the Capitol riot on January 6, 2021, and indicating that Facebook would be similarly responsible for COVID-related deaths if it did not censor more information. You only did this, however, after an election that you helped increase skepticism in, and an insurrection which was plotted in large part on your platform. On April 4th, 2021, Flaherty demanded the censorship of Fox News host Tucker Carlson and Tomi Lauren, because the top post about vaccine that day was Tucker Carlson saying vaccines don't work and Tomi Lauren stating she won't take a vaccine. Flaherty stated, "This is exactly I want to know why I want to know that reduction looks like." If reduction means pumping our most vaccine-hesitant audience with Tucker Carlson saying it does not work, then I'm not sure it's reduction. Facebook promised the White House a report by the end of the week. On April 13, 2021, after the temporary halt of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, the White House was seemingly concerned about the, the effect this would have on vaccine hesitancy. Flaherty sent to Facebook a series of detailed requests about how Facebook could amplify various messages that would help reduce any efforts... This may have on vaccine hesitancy. Flaherty also requested that Facebook monitor misinformation relating to the Johnson & Johnson pause and demanded from Facebook a detailed report within 24 hours. Facebook provided the detailed report the same day. Facebook responded, read the J&J news. We're keen to amplify any messaging you want us to project about what this means for people. Facebook responded to a telephone call from Roe about how it was censoring information with a six-page report on censorship with explanations and screenshots of sample posts of content that it does and does not censor. The report noted that vaccine hesitancy content did not violate Facebook's content moderation policies, but indicated that Facebook still censors this content by suppressing it in news feeds and algorithms. Other content that Facebook admitted did not violate its policy but may contribute to vaccine hesitancy are A, Sensational or alarmist vaccine misrepresentation. B, disparaging others based on the choice to or not to vaccinate. C, true but shocking claims of personal or personal anecdotes. D, discussing the choice to vaccinate in terms of personal or civil liberties. And E, concerns related to mistrust in institutions or individuals. Facebook noted it censors such content through a spectrum of levers that includes concealing the content from other users, D, boosting the content. And preventing sharing through friction. Facebook also mentioned looking forward to tomorrow's meeting and how we can hopefully partner together. Other examples of posts that didn't did not violate Facebook's policies, but would nonetheless be suppressed included content that originated from Children's Health Defense, a nonprofit activist group headed by Robert F. Kennedy Jr., labeled by defendants as one of the disinformation dozen on april 14th 2021 slavitt emailed facebook executive nick clegg with a message expressing displeasure with facebook's failure to censor tucker carlson slavitt stated not for nothing but the last time we did this dance it ended in an insurrection the subject line was tucker carlson anti-vax message clegg responded the same day with a detailed report about the tucker carlson post stating that the post did not qualify for removal under facebook policy but that the video was being labeled with a pointer to authoritative COVID-19 information, not being recommended to people, and that the video was being demoted. After Brian Rice of Facebook forwarded the same report on the Tucker Carlson post to Flaherty on April 14th, 2021, Flaherty responded to Rice wanting a more detailed explanation of why Facebook had not removed the Tucker Carlson video and questioning how the video had been demoted since there were 40,000 shares. Flaherty followed up six minutes later, alleging Facebook provided incorrect information through CrowdTangle. Two days later, on April 16th, 2021, Flaherty demanded immediate answers from Facebook regarding the Tucker Carlson video. Facebook promised to get something to him that night. Facebook followed up on April 21st, 2021 with an additional response in regard to an apparent call from Flaherty. Thanks for catching up earlier. Facebook reported that The Tucker Carlson content had not violated Facebook's policy, but Facebook gave the video a 50% demotion for seven days and stated it would continue to demote the video. This all shows what Facebook's uh, capable of. It's worse than shadow banning, worse than shadow banning. On April 21st, 2021, Flaherty, Slavitt, and other HHS officials met with Twitter officials about Twitter vaccine misinfo briefing. The invite stated the White House would be briefed by Twitter on vaccine information. Trends seen generally about vaccine information, the tangible effects seen from recent policy changes, when interventions were being implemented, previous policy changes, and the ways the White House could partner in product work. Twitter discovery responses indicated that during the meeting, White House officials wanted to know why Alex Berenson had not been kicked off Twitter. Slavik suggested Berenson was the epicenter of disinfo, that radiated outwards to the persuadable public. Berenson was suspended thereafter on July 16th, 2021, and was permanently deplatformed on August 28th, 2021. Also on April 21st, 2021, Flaherty, Slavitt, and Fitzpatrick had a meeting with several YouTube officials. The invitation stated the purpose of this meeting was for the White House to be briefed by YouTube on general trends seen around vaccine misinformation, the effects of YouTube's efforts to combat misinformation, interventions YouTube was trying, and ways the White House can partner in product work. In an April 22, 2021 email, Flaherty provided a recap of the meeting and stated his concern that misinformation on YouTube was shared at the highest, and I mean the highest levels of the White House Wow. Flaherty indicated that the White House remains concerned that YouTube is funneling people into hesitancy and intensifying people's vaccine hesitancy. Flaherty further stated, we want to make sure YouTube has a handle on vaccine hesitancy and is working toward making the problem better. Flaherty again noted vaccine hesitancy was a concern that is shared by the highest, and I mean the highest, levels of the White House. Flaherty further indicated that the White House was coordinating with the Stanford Internet Observatory, which was operating the virality project. Stanford has mentioned that it's recently vaccine passports and J&J pause related stuff, but I'm not sure if that reflects what you're seeing. Clarity praised YouTube for reducing distribution of content. I believe you said you reduced watch time by 70% on borderline content, which is impressive. However, Clarity followed up with additional demands for more information from YouTube. Flaherty emphasized that the White House wanted to make sure YouTube's work extends to the broader problem of people viewing vaccine-hesitant content. Flaherty also suggested regular meetings with YouTube, perhaps bi-weekly, as they have done with other platform partners. On April 23, 2021, Flaherty sent Facebook an email, including a document entitled Facebook COVID-19 Vaccine Misinformation Brief, or The Brief which indicated that Facebook plays a major role in the spread of COVID-19 vaccine misinformation and found that Facebook's policy and enforcement gaps enable misinformation to spread. The brief recommended much more aggressive censorship of Facebook's enforcement policies and called for progressively severe penalties. The brief further recommended Facebook stop distributing anti-vaccine content in newsfeed or in group recommendations. The brief also called for warning screens before linking to domains known to promote vaccine misinformation. Flaherty noted sending this brief was not a White House endorsement of it, but this is circulating around the building and in informing thinking. On May 1st, 2021, Facebook's Clegg sent an email to Slavit, indicating Facebook and the White House met recently to share research work. Clegg apologized for not catching and censoring three pieces of vaccine content that went viral and promised to censor such content more aggressively in the future. I wanted to send you a quick note on the three pieces of vaccine content that were seen by a high number of people before we demoted them. Although they don't violate our community standards, we should have demoted them before they went viral. And this has exposed gaps in our operational and technical process. Notably, these three pieces of information did not violate Facebook's policies. Clegg told Slavitt that Facebook teams had spent the past 24 hours analyzing gaps in Facebook and were making several changes next week. Clegg listed in bold demands that the White House had made in recent meeting and provided in a recent meeting and provided a response to each. The demands were a address non-English mis and disinformation circulating without moderation. B. Do not distribute or amplify vaccine hesitancy. And Facebook should end group recommendations for groups with a history of COVID-19 or vaccine misinformation. C. Monitor events that host anti-vaccine and COVID disinformation and D addressed 12 accounts that were responsible for 73% of vaccine misinformation. Facebook noted it was scrutinizing these accounts and censoring them wherever, whenever it could, but that most of the content did not violate Facebook's policies. Facebook referred to its new policy as their dedicated vaccine discouraging entities. Facebook even suggested that too much censorship might be counterproductive and drive vaccine hesitancy. Among experts we have consulted, there is a general sense that deleting more expressions of vaccine hesitancy might be more counterproductive to the goal of vaccine uptake because it could prevent hesitant people from talking through their concerns and potentially reinforce the notion that there's a cover-up. On May 5th, 2021, then White House Press Secretary, Jen Psaki, publicly began pushing Facebook and other social media platforms to censor COVID-19 misinformation. At a White House press conference, Saki publicly demi- reminded Facebook and other social media platforms of the threat of legal consequences if they do not censor misinformation more aggressively. Saki further stated The president's view is that the major platforms have a responsibility related to the health and safety of all Americans to stop amplifying untrustworthy content, disinformation, and misinformation, especially related to COVID 19 vaccinations and elections. Saki linked the threat of a robust antitrust program with the White House's censorship demand. He also supports better privacy protections and a robust antitrust program. So his view is that there's more that needs to be done to ensure that this type of misinformation, disinformation, damaging, sometimes life-threatening information, is not going out to the American public. The next day, Flaherty followed up with another email to Facebook and chastised Facebook for not catching various COVID-19 misinformation. Flaherty demanded more information about Facebook's efforts to demote borderline content, stating, not to sound like a broken record, but how much content is being demoted and how effective are you at mitigating reach and how quickly? Flaherty also criticized Facebook's efforts to censor the disinformation dozen. Seems like your dedicated vaccine hesitancy policy isn't stopping the disinfo dozen. They're being deemed as not dedicated. So it feels like that problem likely coming over to groups. Things apparently became tense between White House and Facebook after that, culminating in Flaherty's July 15th, 2021 email to Facebook, in which Flaherty stated, Are you guys effing serious? I want an answer on what happened here, and I want it today. On July 15th, 2021, things became even more tense between the White House, Facebook, and other social media platforms. At a joint press conference between Saki and Surgeon General Murthy, to announce the Surgeon General's health advisory on misinformation. Saki announced that Surgeon General Murthy had published an, an advisory on health misinformation as an urgent public health crisis. Murthy announced, fourth, we're saying we expect more from our technology companies. We're asking them to operate with greater transparency and accountability. We're asking them to monitor misinformation more closely. We're asking them to consistently take action against misinformation super spreaders on their platforms. Saki further stated, we are in regular touch with these social media platforms and those engagements typically happen through members of our senior staff, but also members of our COVID-19 team. We're flagging problematic posts for Facebook that spread disinformation. Saki followed up by stating that the White House's asks include four key steps by which social media companies should, one, Measure and publicly share the impact of misinformation on their platforms. Two, create a robust enforcement strategy. Three, take faster action against harmful posts. And four, promote quality information sources in their feed algorithms. The next day on July 16th, 2021, President Biden, after being asked what his message was to social media platforms when it came to COVID-19, stated, they're killing people. Specifically, he stated, look, the only pandemic we have is among the unvaccinated, and that they're killing people. Saki stated the actions of censorship Facebook had already conducted had already conducted were clearly not sufficient. 4 days later on July 20th 2021 at a White House press conference, White House communications director Kate Bedingfield stated that the White House would be announcing whether social media platforms are legally liable for misinformation misinformation spread On their platforms and examining how misinformation fits into the liability protection granted by section 230 of the communications decency act which shields social media platforms from being responsible for posts by third parties on their sites betting fields further stated that the administration was reviewing policies that could include amending the communications decency act and that the social media platforms should be held accountable The public and private pressure from the White House apparently had its attendant effect. All 12 members of the disinformation dozen were censored and pages, groups, and accounts linked to the disinformation dozen were removed. Twitter suspended Berenson's account within a few hours of President Biden's July 16, 2021 comments. On July 17, 2021, a Facebook official sent an email to Anita B. Dunn, senior advisor to the president, asking for ways to get back into the White House's good graces and stated Facebook and the White House were 100% on the same team here in fighting this. On November 30th, 2021, the White House's Christian Tom emailed Twitter requesting that Twitter watch a video of First Lady Jill Biden that had been edited to make it sound as if the First Lady were profanely heckling children while reading to them. Twitter responded within six minutes, agreeing to escalate with the team for further review. Twitter advised users that the video had been edited for comedic effect. Tom then requested Twitter apply a manipulated media disclaimer to the video. After Twitter told Tom that the video was not subject to labeling under its policy, Tom disputed Twitter's interpretation of its own policy and added Michael LaRosa, the First Lady's press secretary, into the conversation. Further efforts by Tom and LaRosa to censor the video on December 9th, 13th, and 17th finally resulted in the video's removal in December 2021. In January 2022, Facebook reported to Roe, Murthy, Flaherty, Slavitt that it had labeled and demoted vaccine humor posts whose content could discourage vaccination. Facebook also reported to the White House that it labeled and demoted posts suggesting natural immunity to a COVID-19 infection is superior to vaccine immunity. Wow. In January 2022, Jesse Lee of the White House sent an email accusing Twitter of calling the president a liar in regard to a presidential tweet. At a February 1st, 2022 White House press conference, Saki stated that the White House wanted every social media platform to do more to call out misinformation and disinformation and to uplift accurate information. At an April 25, 2022 White House press conference, after being asked to respond to news that Elon Musk may buy Twitter, Saki mentioned the threat to social media companies to amend Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act, linking these threats to social media platforms' failure to censor misinformation and disinformation. On June 13, 2022, Flaherty demanded Meta continue to produce periodic COVID-19 insight reports to track COVID-19 misinformation and he expressed a concern about misinformation regarding the upcoming authorization of COVID-19 vaccines for children under five years of age. Meta agreed to do so on June 22, 2022. In addition to misinformation regarding COVID-19, the White House also asked social media companies to censor misinformation regarding climate change, gender discussions, abortion, and economic policy at an Axios event entitled A Conversation on Battling Misinformation, held on June 14th, 2022, the White House National Climate Advisor, Gina McCarthy, blamed social media companies for allowing misinformation and disinformation about climate change to spread and explicitly tied these censorship demands with threats of adverse legislation regarding the Communications Decency Act. On June 16th, 2022, the White House announced a new task force to target general misinformation, and disinformation campaigns targeted at women and LGBTQI individuals who are public and political figures, government and civic leaders, activists, and journalists. The June 16, 2022 memorandum discussed the creation of a task force to reel in online harassment and abuse and develop programs targeting such disinformation campaigns. The memorandum also called for the task force to confer with technology experts and again threaten social media platforms with adverse legal consequences if the platforms did not censor aggressively enough. On July 8th, 2022, President Biden signed an executive order on protecting access to abortion. Section 4B4 of the order required the attorney general, the secretary of HHS, and the chair of the Federal Trade Commission to address deceptive and or fraudulent practices relating to reproductive healthcare services, including those online, and to protect access to accurate information. On August 11th, 2022, Flaherty emailed Twitter to dispute a note added by Twitter to one of President Biden's tweets about gas prices. On August 23rd, 2021, Flaherty emailed Facebook requesting a report on how Facebook intended to promote the FDA approval of of the Pfizer vaccine. He also stated that the White House would appreciate a push and provided suggested language. Part B, Surgeon General Defendants. Surgeon General Murthy is the Surgeon General of the United States. Eric Waldo is the Senior Advisor to the Surgeon General and was formerly Chief Engagement Officer for the Surgeon General's Office. Waldo's deposition was taken as part of the allowed preliminary injunction-related discovery in this matter. Waldo was responsible for maintaining the contacts and relationships with representatives of social media platforms. Waldo did pre-rollout calls with Twitter, Facebook, and Google YouTube before the Surgeon General's health advisory on misinformation was published on July 15, 2021. Waldo admitted that Murthy used his office to directly advocate for social media platforms to take stronger actions against health misinformation and that those actions involved putting pressure on social media platforms to reduce the dissemination of health misinformation. Surgeon General Murthy's message was given to social media platforms, both publicly and privately. At a July 15, 2021, press conference between Saki and Murthy, the two made the comments mentioned previously in Part Two, which publicly called for social media platforms to do more to take action against misinformation superspreaders. Murthy was directly involved in editing and approving the final work product for the July 15, 2021, health advisory on misinformation. Waldo also admitted that Murthy used his bully pulpit to talk about health misinformation and to put public pressure on social media platforms. Waldo's initial rollout with Facebook was negatively affected because the public attacks by the White House and Office of the Surgeon General towards Facebook for allowing misinformation to spread. Clegg of Facebook reached out to attempt to request de-escalation and working together instead of the public pressure. In the call between Clegg and Murthy, Murthy told Clegg he wanted Facebook to do more to censor misinformation on its platforms. Murthy also requested Facebook share data with external researchers about the scope and reach of misinformation on Facebook's platforms to better understand how to have external researchers validate the spread of misinformation. Data about misinformation was the topic of conversation in this call. DJ Patil, chief data scientist in the Obama administration, Murthy, Waldo and Clegg all participated on the call. The purpose of the call was to demand to demand more information from Facebook about monitoring the spread of misinformation. One of the external researchers that the Office of Surgeon General likely had in mind was Renee DiResta from the Stanford Internet Observatory, a leading organization of the Virality Project. The Virality Project hosted a rollout event for Murphy's July 15th, 2021 press conference. There was coordination between the Office of the Surgeon General and the Virality Project on the launch of Murphy's Health Advisory. Kyla Fullenweider is the Office of the Surgeon General's Key Subject Matter Expert who worked on the Health Advisory on Misinformation. Fullenweider works for a nonprofit contractor, United States Digital Response. Waldo Fullenweider and DuResta were involved in a conference call after the July 15, 2021 press conference where they discussed misinformation. The Office of the Surgeon General anticipated that social media platforms would feel pressured by the Surgeon General's Health Advisory. Waldo and the Office of the Surgeon General received a briefing from the Center for Countering Digital Hate about the disinformation dozen. The CD, CCDH gave a presentation about the disinformation dozen and how the CZ, CCDH measured and determined that the disinformation dozen were primarily responsible for a significant amount of online misinformation. In his deposition, Waldo discussed various phone calls and communications between defendants and Facebook. In August of 2021, Waldo joined a call with Flaherty and Brian Rice of Facebook. The call was an update by Facebook about the internal action it was taking regarding censorship. Waldo was aware of at least one call between Murthy and Facebook in the period between President Biden's election and assuming office, and he testified that the call was about misinformation. Waldo was also aware of other emails, and at least one phone call where Flaherty communicated with Facebook. The first meeting between the Office of Surgeon General and social media platforms occurred on May 25th, 2021, between Clegg, Murphy, and Slavitt. The purpose of this call was to introduce, introduce Murphy to Clegg. Clegg emailed Murphy with a report of misinformation on Facebook May 28, 2021. Policy updates about increasing censorship were announced by Facebook on May 27, 2021. The Office of the Surgeon General had a pre-rollout, i.e before the rollout of the Surgeon General's health advisory on misinformation, call with Twitter and YouTube on July 12th and July 14, 2021. The office of the Surgeon General had a rollout call with Facebook on July 16, 2021. The July 16th call with Facebook was right after President Biden had made his they are killing people" comment. And it was an awkward call, according to Waldo. Another call took place on July 23rd, 2021, between Murthy, Waldo, DJ Patil, Clegg, and Rice. Clegg shared more about the spread of information and disinformation on Facebook after the meeting. At the meeting, Murthy raised the issue of wanting to have a better understanding of the reach of misinformation and disinformation as it relates to health on Facebook. Murthy often referred to health misinformation in these meetings as poison the Surgeon General's Health Advisory explicitly called for social media platforms to do more to control the reach of misinformation. On July 30th, 2021, Waldo had a meeting with Google and YouTube representatives. At the meeting, Google and YouTube reported to the Office of the Surgeon General what actions they were taking following the Surgeon General's Health Advisory on Misinformation. On August 10th, 2021, Waldo and Flaherty had a call with Rice calling for Facebook to report to federal officials as to Facebook's actions to remove disinformation and to provide details regarding a vaccine misinformation operation Facebook had uncovered. Another meeting took place between Google, YouTube, Waldo, Flaherty on September 14th, 2021 to discuss a new policy YouTube was working on and to provide the federal officials with an update on YouTube's efforts to combat harmful COVID-19 misinformation on its platforms. After the meetings with social media platforms, the platforms seemingly fell in line with the Office of Surgeon Generals and the White House requests. Facebook announced policy updates about censoring misinformation on May 27th, 2021, two days after the meeting. As promised, Clegg provided an update on misinformation to the Office of Surgeon General on May 28th, 2021, three days after the meeting, and began sending bi-weekly COVID content reports on June 14th, 2021. On July 6, 2021, Waldo emailed Twitter to set up the rollout call for the Office of the Surgeon General's Health Advisory on Misinformation and told Twitter that Murthy had been thinking about how to stop the spread of health misinformation. He knew Twitter's teams were working hard and thinking deeply about the issue and that he would like to chat over Zoom to discuss. Twitter ultimately publicly endorsed the Office of the Surgeon General's call for greater censorship on health misinformation. Aldo sent an email to YouTube on July 6, 2021, to set up the rollout call and to state that the Office of the Surgeon General's purpose was to stop the spread of misinformation on social media platforms. YouTube eventually adopted a new policy on combating COVID-19 misinformation and began providing began providing federal officials with updates on YouTube's efforts to combat mi- misinformation. Let's see how much longer this goes on. I think that's probably a good stop. I'm at the one hour mark. So I made it to page 33. It'll probably take three full hours to read through this thing. So that was part one of the Missouri v. Biden Memorandum Ruling on Request for Preliminary Injunction, of which the preliminary injunction was granted on July 4th, 2023. Thank you for listening.